How is it already December? As we prepare for the new year, I want to continue bringing you episodes on wellness, especially physical and mental health, along with some mindset episodes to help you close out a difficult 2020 and plan for a strong start to 2021. For me personally, the foundation of everything I do starts with my physical, mental, and spiritual health. Before I can make my intentions for the upcoming year, whether that be business goal setting or just general goal setting, I need to make sure my foundation is solid, which is something I think I'm going to talk about in a later episode. Part of my method is looking at those different pillars of my life and reflecting on what went right, what went wrong, etc., and then setting a solid foundation for what I want to build. I hope this episode today with Denise Duffield-Thomas, aka Denise DT, gives you a little insight into how to have those hard and honest conversations in your relationship about money and personal needs, how to build a thriving business while also creating a chill life, and how to reframe your own money mindset and instill positive money habits with your children. I brought Denise on the show because there are not a lot of examples out there of moms who are building million-dollar companies with super young kids in tow and who are unapologetic about pursuing their dreams and having a lot of fun. Denise DT is a money mentor for the new wave of online entrepreneurs who want to make money and change the world. She helps women charge premium prices, release the fear of money, and create first-class lives. Her Money Bootcamp has helped over 6,000 students from all over the world reprogram their money mindset and live an abundant life. She is the author of three books, Lucky Bitch, Get Rich Lucky Bitch, and Chillpreneur, all of which give a fresh and funny roadmap to living a life of abundance without burnout. I've listened to three of them on Audible, and so I highly recommend downloading them. Denise calls herself a lazy introvert and an unbusy mother of three, and when she's not running her multi-million dollar company, you can find her at either her rose farm or at her beach house in sunny Australia. I love that Denise has managed to build her dream lifestyle with her family, which also includes bringing her husband on board in the business. It's an interesting story, so tune in. We also talk about how we can eliminate mental energy drains in our roles and how we can shift our energy around money to bring in more abundance. I recorded this episode a couple months ago when I was sick, thankfully not COVID, but just a warning in advance that the sound is a little off because I was extremely congested. Anyway, I hope you enjoy. Welcome to Mommy's on a Call, your sacred space to laugh, learn, and feel like a real grown-up human for a hot minute. I'm Stephanie Uchima Carney, a mom of three under six, serial entrepreneur, business strategist, and donut connoisseur, just trying to get through the day one cold cup of coffee at a time. I believe that with more intention, a positive mindset, and self-care, it is possible to thrive in motherhood, business, and life. My mission is to uncover the daily rituals, life lessons, real-life tactics, and favorite tools to inspire and empower you, Mommy, to get the most out of life every single unpredictable day. So grab your headphones, tell your kids you're on the potty, and tune in weekly for some laughs, knowledge bombs, and plenty of real talk with real moms, and maybe a dad or two. Welcome to the Mommy Pod. Welcome. Today, I'm very excited to have Denise on the show. I met her like two plus years ago um, in an online group that we're a part of. And we were both having another baby at the time, my second and her third. And I love that she's coming in all the way from Australia. So I'm here in California and you're all the way across the world. So thank you so much for joining today. 
Uh, Stephanie, thank you so much for having me. And as we were saying just before we hit record, online friends are real friends, especially for mums. Like it's that online community is so important. So I'm I'm really grateful that we have that group together and that we've been able to connect and chat today to all your mums. Exactly. Being able to connect over just growing an online business and having babies basically at the time was pretty incredible. It didn't matter where you're from, what your background is. It's just that like bond of motherhood that brings you together. And I'm super excited because you are probably one of the very few role models out there, I feel like, for moms who are building these multi-million dollar companies and who are just crushing it. But living this amazing lifestyle. You're able to raise your kids. You're able to travel, well, travel when it wasn't COVID and do all of this. And you know, your book, Chillpreneur, you really are somebody who embodies what it means to be a chillpreneur. So I love that. So thank you so much. And I hope today that we can share just a little bit of your wisdom and how you managed to do it all. I wanted to actually start with what's your biggest mom win of the week? Oh, oh gosh. <laughs> You know what? Last night I had a really good mum time where I I was in a really good mood. Everyone seemed to have their bath well. Everyone had their stories. Everyone went to bed. And then my six and a half year old, she's so grown up now. And we spend 10, 15 minutes before she goes to bed just talking about our day. And she's so cute. And we play truth or dare. And it's like having just this grown up conversation, just looking at her going, oh my God, you are so cool. Like, I want to be friends with you. And, you know, I saw a meme go around the other day of like, oh, I put my kids to bed. And I was like, oh, just like a real mom. And I was thinking, oh my God, I'm a mom. And, you know, just when you have those conscious moments of, oh, I'm creating memories and this is cool. That's awesome. And any personal mom win of just yourself, like something you did for you that you were like, this is amazing. Oh God. I haven't mentioned this to anyone actually, but um, last week I <laughs> I was in hospital because I was getting a breast lift because I'm done having kids. I'm done breastfeeding. And you know, like breastfeeding does a bit of a number on your boobs. And a, a this is like, months- I'm jealous. I'm still eight months in. I, I told my husband that I've been pregnant and breastfeeding for literally six years now. It's I think there was odd. three months where I was not pregnant or was not breastfeeding. So I, yeah, I understand Tootsie rolls, everything I'm. <laughs> so yeah, I felt like I did that just for me. And, you know, I'm still wearing my compression bra. It was literally only a week ago that I had the surgery and it was one of those things. Like I was trying to explain it to someone. I was like, there was nothing like wrong. Like it wasn't like I was crying over my boobs and, you know, I love and accept my body and so many things, but you know, my friends who had, who'd had it done, they were just like, it just is one of those things you do just for you. And so I do count that as a win, but it's also a mixed feeling because I sometimes feel like, oh, maybe we should just be happy, you know, with what we've got. But, you know, so I have mixed feelings about it, if that makes sense. I would say congratulations because you did something for you. And I think that's what matters. I know some people might have judgment over that or whatnot, but honestly, it's for you. So you need to do what's best for you. So I love it. How are you feeling? I feel good, but what's funny, I've got a crystal. I I went to a crystal Reiki lady last week and she gave me this crystal that looks like it's got like boobs on it. And so I'm wearing it inside my compression bra. I have to show you. I (laughs) won't see it on the video, but I have to show you. Because it's one of those things where I'm like, oh my God, I'm so woo-woo. And I showed my surgeon and he was like, 
whatever makes you happy. I don't know if you can see that on the video. It's like, oh, I can. What type of crystal is that? It's an amethyst. Ooh, I love amethyst. I realize I'm not wearing my bracelet, but I usually have amethyst and I have crystals behind me. Again, people can't see on a podcast, but on my video, I, I got into that probably in the last like two to three years. So I'm curious what inspired you to get involved in like crystals or that you say woo woo side. Uh, I would say I'm very like woo curious. And so I'm really mindful nowadays too of like how um, some of those practices have been co-opted and like, you know, the cultural appropriation stuff. And also even things like crystals too, being way more mindful about where they came from and how they were sourced. And so I think I always started off just by like, oh, so pretty, so shiny. And um, and now I'm like, oh, I need to think about each one of those things. And like, is this, is this okay? And I mean, our, our kids are very drawn to crystals. I've noticed too. They really love them. But yeah, I've got a big amethyst thing. I would buy so many crystals. I, there's this um, amazing place in Byron Bay in Australia. And they have this ginormous, like couple of meters long, rose quartz like big sphere I think and it just like rotates in like a um, a water feature and it's so amazing and you know I, these days that's all I want to spend my money on is just cool cool crown and stuff like yeah. that you'll need to bring a rose quartz to your rose farm I will absolutely beautiful give us a little bit of ba- a background about how many kids you have what your family situation looks like are you the breadwinner does your husband work Oh, so juicy. So I've got three kids. They're six, four, and two. So I'm 41. So I started having kids in in like my early 30s. And my hubby works in the business with me now. He has for about three years. And that was a very deliberate decision for us. His career really started impacting on our lifestyle as, as my business started making more and more money. I was just like, huh, we can't go on holidays because your boss says no. Like, what's that about? And I really, really honestly, the first two years were really hard. We both are control freaks. We have very different strengths, but we have a lot of the same weaknesses. <laughs> you know, like we can be very workaholic. But I, I always try and find the shortcut. And I feel like Mark always tries to overcomplicate things. So we often clash in that way. But it works really well now. This year has been the best best so far where we've got very separate roles and so we have two houses we have a a house near the beach where I'm at at the moment and then we spend weekends at our farm which is about 40 minutes away which is it's a rose farm and that's a fairly new project that we're working on as well and then my mum lives with us about half the time she she has an RV and so she goes and travels and then she comes back. And so that's, that's all often a very fun dynamic as well. And then we got a dog. We got a quarantine puppy this year. What type of dog? He's a cavoodle. I think you guys call them cavapoos maybe in America. Cavalier and a, a poodle. And he's so, so sweet, but he is my fourth baby and I just baby him so much. Oh, okay. Yeah. So yeah, I, I guess I am the breadwinner in that it is my face on the business but Mark is definitely now an equal partner. We just do different things. And how did that conversation kind of go? I'm wondering, there's a lot of moms out there who have young kids like yourself who maybe took a break from either their career or do have their own business and are looking to like build that. But then their husband has more of a corporate career, is probably bringing in a little bit more income because they have the benefits, they have the healthcare, all of that type of stuff. And once you two start taking off, how did that conversation go with the 
you know, we have three kids who's going to take care of them. Can you take a step back from your business? Or, you know, a lot of moms have this, I guess you call it mom guilt. And they're like, okay, well, maybe I'm responsible for childcare. I'll take a break in my business, honey. And you, you work. How did that kind of dynamic go? Because having your husband in the business is a very unique and amazing situation. You know what? There, are, there were a lot of hard conversations about this because Mark and I have been together for a really long time. Like, so he was 19 when we got together. I was 23. Ooh. <laughs> I'm older than my husband too. So, <laughs> um, so you know, we've got equal, oh, you know, equal education and we were together a long time before we had kids. And so we had fairly equal careers. And so I really chafed against this feeling of like, oh, we're having kids now. So all of my ambitions have to take a back seat. And suddenly I'm responsible for all this stuff. Like, you know, you've known me since I was really young. Like, I don't know how to do this shit either. So why, why am I the default parent? So there were a lot of really hard conversations about that in our first year. I had a, I think my business was doing pretty well, like multiple six figures when we had our first baby, but it didn't feel, I think it didn't feel like it was consistent or or steady. So we kept his, you know, six figure job for a long time because he was like, yeah, you had a good launch, but we don't know if that's going to, you know, continue. And so the lure of that steady paycheck was um, very appealing for him. I'm a bit more of a rebel where I'm just like, ah, we'll make it work. No big deal. And so it took actually a long time to like kind of lure him out of that, that safety and security. And so I actually even, I had a million dollar business before he jumped ship from his six figure job. And it didn't come from me. It actually came from our accountant. Our accountant was sitting down and was like, um, so Denise's business is doing really great. And, you know, like I'd bought us a house, I bought us all this stuff. And so he said to Mark, like, have you ever considered using your marketing skills in Denise's business? And I was sitting there going, oh, this has never occurred to me. Oh my God, you guys are so smart. This is amazing. And, um, and so Mark actually had to go through a real process of like looking at his identity because he was he loved the corporate life. He loved putting on a suit. He loved having a team. He loved that feeling of competence that I think corporate life sometimes gives men more than women because it's not really geared for a lot of women and especially mums, right? We know this. And so he was very reluctant to give that up. And we had to do a lot of work and talking about it. And what it, what it came down to, Stephanie, which is so funny, he said, what am I going to tell people that I do? Like at a barbecue, when someone says, what do you do? He was like, what am I going to tell people I do? And it took him a little while. I think it took him about a year to acclimatize to the fact that he could wear, I mean, I've never, I haven't seen him in a suit for years now, you know, like he wears Nike, like athleisure wear every single day. He can do whatever, like he can go to the beach, he can do whatever he wants. And I think he didn't, wasn't thinking about those, those things he was thinking about, like, yeah, what am I going to tell people that I do? And so for the first couple of months, he was like, oh, I work for my wife's business. And he, it was just like, he didn't, he didn't, I think that was a bit of a dent to his masculinity or something. And he's gotten over it because the perks of that, of now we have a family business where we make a ton of money and we've been able to do a massive amount of good together. 
And are you able to see the kids more? Like how did that work behind the scenes on childcare? Now you guys yeah. both get the flexibility. Do you have any childcare help besides maybe your mom or is it just you two? No, we have all the help. And actually when, when we had the first baby, I was like, I, I need to do my business too, because I was really missing that. And I remember a friend of mine saying, just hire a nanny. And I was like, what? A nanny? Because I grew up in like, I grew up in a town where everyone was on welfare and it was very egalitarian, but nobody was fancy. No one would ever have anything like that. Right. And so I was like, oh my God, what are my you know, childhood friends going to think of me having a nanny? That's so fancy. And she was like, it's not that fancy. You know, like she's kind of trying to educate me. She's like, it's not. And I was like, only rich idiot, like, assholes have nannies. And I'm seeing, by the way, money mindset flashing everywhere. And by the way, as you know, Denise does, that's all you do really is like work with women on money mindset. So for the person in your shoes, what would you say to them who are like, I don't know if I can hire childcare, if I'm not even making up that revenue or outsourcing. I know in your books, you talk a lot about outsourcing certain things so that you have the time and space to make that money or to build that business. What would you say to someone that was in your shoes? Well, it's not all or nothing. You know, I think sometimes we feel like that. It's like, oh, I can't afford to have a full-time nanny. Yeah, but could you afford for someone three hours a week? Because nobody gets more stuff done. Nobody is more efficient than a mother. Nobody. (laughs) You know, and at the start, that efficiency might mean that you have a nap, right? So I would start with the thing that stresses you out the most. And for for a lot of people, it's laundry, you know, because laundry is just never done and it's so oppressive. And, you know, that might be so cheap to do a laundry service. And I know, um, you know, if you're in a big city, it's so cheap, like in New York to do like a laundry service, right? And they just pick it up from your house. And it's, it's, that might be worth spending more money on than outsourcing a new website, for example. You know, so it's always about what stresses you out the most. And then you look at what could help you make, make more money. So yeah, start really, really small. And it's, and I think we've got to get out of this uh, mentality that we're responsible for childcare costs because that's how a lot of people do that math. They go, well, it's not worth it, but it's like, well, both of you are responsible for childcare costs, right? Right. I know a lot of women who don't go back even to their corporate career because they realize, oh, well, the amount of money I make basically goes to paying like daycare, childcare, whatever that is. It's a wash. Why should I do it? And so I feel like people need to get past that money block that they have that it's like dollar equals dollar, whereas maybe like their own sanity plus the dollar is worth more. Resume, experience, 401k, like there's so many ways that we are disadvantaged by that. But there's no, I mean, I've seen a lot of people too, they use their maternity leave to get their side hustle up and running so they don't have to go back. But there's just this thing of like, I, I hear this from people too. Oh, my husband says we can't get a cleaner daycare, blah, blah, until my business is making more money. But it's just, so, that is just so disheartening, right? Because you are putting, you're stacking even more odds against yourself to succeed in your business. And so actually what I said to my husband at the start of my business, I was like, give me six months of not even a question about my business. And he couldn't help himself. Like, in a, you know, the first month, how much did you make this month? And I was like, dude, you said you were going to give me six months, no question questions asked. So like, 
I'm going to hold you to that. But the problem is we often feel so guilty that we're like, oh yeah, you're right. Like, and I just, at some point I just went, well, I'm not doing the laundry. So either we get help for it or, and also I remember Mark's mum when she found out we had a cleaner and she was like, oh, Denise, I can teach you how to iron. And I was like, but I don't <laughs> need to iron. And so I remember like Mark going, oh, well, I guess I'll iron my own shirts. And I'm like, dude, get a dry cleaning service for your shirt. You don't do it either. Like, and so there's just that point. And I think that's how we've gotten, you know, like, so after the first kid and I said to him, I actually don't want to have another kid if you're going to be in this corporate job and just leaving me by myself to do, to do this. And I feel really bad for modern dads because if you're leaving home at 7.30 and you're getting home at 6.30 and that's, that's a pretty average work day, you never get to see your kids, you know? And so I just went, I'm not signed up for that. You know, he was like, oh, I want another kid. And I'm like, of course you do. Like, why wouldn't you want another kid? Like you get all the upside and none of the downside. And so like, I always want to try and encourage people to have those hard conversations. And one of the conversations we had was this baby is your baby at these particular times. And I actually put it in his calendar because everyone knows this, right? You, it's like, you give your baby to your partner and within five minutes, they're like, oh, babe, can you just hold her while I um, like get the diaper thing? And I'm like, how do you think I do that when you're not here? I pick it up with my toes. <laughs> like, <I laughs> exactly. You're like toes. holding the two-year-old, the other one. You're always multitasking or doing things. You make it work. And so I had to be so strict on that because he used to be like, oh, I'm just going to go to the gym on the way home from work. And I'm like, dude, go on your lunch break. Like all the women in your office do. And so it was sounding really strange, but I was like, from seven to eight in the morning, she's your baby. You cannot ask me a single thing. You cannot talk to me. And then same from like 5.30 or whatever I got home to like seven o'clock, she's your baby. And you cannot ask me. And it was putting those boundaries in place. And he was so shocked about it almost. He was just like, but, and I'm like, no. And I see women so reluctant to do that. And I just was like, he has to figure it out, you know, and he did. And he is the he is the best dad. Now he does all the school drop-offs and pickups. He holds the space of their lunches and their excursion notes and all of those things, because I just went, I'm not going to solve this for you. And I just want to sit in my room and be on my phone and not have anyone touch me. I love that creating boundaries around time. So that was with your first kid. Now that you have three kids, what does your day look like? Or what are those boundaries that are, you still keep in place? Okay, so my role model for motherhood is my grandfather. <laughs> he is my role model because he did nothing. He did nothing. He was the breadwinner and so he felt entitled to never touch the washing machine, for people to bring him coffee, for him to watch what he wanted to watch on TV. He had his own he had his own rumpus room, um like a den that was his room. And so my, he is my role model because I'm like, I don't want to do laundry. I actually don't want to do cooking. I don't want to clean. I don't want to make beds. And I, even though Mark is in the business, everything that we have is because of, of me and my faith and my creativity. And it sounds, it does sound controversial listening to it, right? But how many men do you know, even now in 2020, in not even wealthy families who live like that. They don't know where the washing machine is. They don't know where the school uniforms are. They don't know any of that. So he's my role model. 
completely guilt-free living his own life, right? And the way I do that is I don't expect my husband to do everything. We outsource everything. So we have a daily housekeeper. She she is the mum of the house. And she's um, she's actually a little bit younger than me. She's got older kids herself. And I've just said to her, you are the mum of the house. So you organise the house how you want. You like take breaks when you want. You come and go, like just she comes at a certain time in the morning, but she comes and goes as she pleases. She doesn't tell me if something's out because it's she's the mom. Like it, she goes and buys it. She has a credit card for the house. And she takes away a lot of that mental energy that I think a lot of modern women have of like, oh, the school uniforms need to be washed. Oh, this needs to happen. Oh, Willow's out of underwear. Yeah. Like I feel like that's it. We always have these tabs open in our heads. Like I'm like, oh, I have to buy that birthday present for Saturday. I have to do this. Like it's always running in the back of my head because unless I like write it down on a piece of paper and try and forget, but it takes up that mental energy and it kind of drains you. Absolutely. Oh, I need to use these carrots for this. Otherwise they'll be old in two days. So she does all the cooking. She preps it and then like Mark heats it up at night you know, she, she does all of the roles that are like, I'm saying a mom, which might sound insulting, but that those, those jobs generally tend to fall to the, to the mom of the house. Um, we also have a part-time nanny. So our kids kind of have a mix of, you know, they spend a bit of time with mom and dad. They spend a bit of time at daycare and they spend a bit of time with their nanny. And she's really young. She's been with us for four years. She's in her early twenties. She's really fun. And what I really love about her too, she's very progressive. So she'll talk to them about you know, just all the, all the things that you want kind of modern kids to know that she has those conversations with them. So she's there from like 8.30 in the morning till about four o'clock in the afternoon. Um, we have a deep cleaning team who comes and cleans the house. So our housekeeper just does light, light tidying, you know, and then we have all the things that maybe the dad would fall on the dad on the weekend, like the yard work and like the window cleaning and stuff like that. And then every time something happens, that stresses me out. Like sometimes you know, you can't give your dog 24-7 attention, right? So it was like, oh, we just hired a dog walker to come. For that morning time where everyone's crying and barking and trying to get dressed and trying to brush people's hair. So we've got a dog walker who comes down and, and takes him for an hour and a half walk in that busy time. So I'm the queen of just going, oh, I don't like this thing. How can I outsource it? But people listening might just go, oh, it's all right for you. You're a rich bitch. But it started because... 15 years ago, I hired someone for two hours every two weeks to come and deep clean my bathroom because I couldn't understand why that would fall to me when Mark and I had identical jobs, identical education, all that kind of stuff. Why why was that my job? So it starts small. And then, for example, our housekeeper, I think we spend about $600 a week on a housekeeper, which sounds a lot. But if you have a business- and that's also Australian can, dollars, right? That's Australian, <laughs> which we used to be on, on parity. Now it's a bit all over the place because of the economy. But anyway, you know, so it's a really good, it's a good wage. She gets paid, I think about 30 something dollars an hour. But the thing that's like, for me, I can, I can go, oh, that's a quarter of a boot camp, or that's one boot camp a month. And that's my course that I sell. So I go, is it worth it for me to sell one more boot camp a month to pay for somebody to help me feel more abundant or not have to do those things that don't pay me any money? So I know it's not exactly relatable because the amount of money I spend now, but I, I worked my way up to it because the mindset was, hang on, 
I'm just going to question this idea that I have to do this because it doesn't bring me joy. The kids do not notice if you do the laundry or if someone else does the laundry. They are not watching 24-7, trust me. You will be able to teach them in one day, the day before they move out. They do not pay attention. They think fairies do it. And it doesn't make me any money. So, And it would cause fights in, in our family. So you were talking about a little bit about it's the mindset that you had to build upon it. I'm curious. I know you mentioned that no matter what level you're at, you're always working on your money mindset. So what are your money routines that you implement daily? I usually ask people what their morning routines are, what their wellness routines, but for you, I'm curious because money is your expertise. What are your money routines that you do daily? Yeah. Okay. So one thing that I believe as someone who's, you know, coached people for, for eight years full-time in money mindset is that it never really goes away. Your money blocks never truly go away. And that's not the goal. The goal isn't to eliminate them because I don't, I don't know how to, but the goal is to dance with them and recognize them. And so one of my money blocks, which might sound hilarious considering that I've just described my lifestyle, is that um, if I make more money, I won't be down to earth or humble anymore. And so every day I have to watch where those thoughts come in where it's like, oh, I'm not allowed to enjoy the abundance that I've created in my life because what if I get too used to it and then if I lose it all, I won't be humble or down to earth anymore. And, um, and so there's a couple of things that I do. One is just like a good practice for everyone. It's just being really mindful of the stories that come up again and again, that you're telling yourself, the thoughts that are coming up about money, even the thoughts that are coming up about your ability to make money, especially now is being triggered for a lot of people of like, oh, what if the, you know, the bad thing happens because of the economy or what if the bad thing happens? And so you kind of have to work on noticing those thoughts every single day, like having a shower. Otherwise, you, you're going to get stinky. It doesn't matter how pure you are. You skip a couple of showers, you're going to be stinky. And so I actually use the shower analogy as my anchor to do money mindset work. Um, so when I'm in the shower, I sometimes do EFT, which is the tapping, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. tapping stuff that I love. Yeah, emotional freedom technique. I um, write my goals in the shower steam. I use that time to really reflect on, you know, what stories new and old are coming up for me. And if you just remember that too, of like you have to take a shower every day, like you have to work on your money mindset stuff every day. So showers for me are a really good anchor. And then I like to, I like to use affirmations a lot to, I use them as a pattern interrupter to stop some of those negative thoughts from creeping in, like crowd them out. And um, so I have affirmations on my phone. I have affirmations kind of printed around me. I have them on my phone, um, on my um, computer screen. And as much as possible, have a lot of automatic things in my life so I don't have to think about it. And are there any things you do too with your children? Because I know a lot of money mindset we talk about stems from your youth. I know like I had money mindset issues and I'm still working through them based on things that happened, you know, in your childhood that you don't even realize are happening because you're so like cognizant about all of that. Is there anything that you do with your young kids considering, you know, your oldest is only six. So are there any habits or routines you do with them, rituals or things that you're really aware of? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the earliest experiences that most of us have with money is that experience of like going to put a coin in your mouth and your parents say, don't put that in your mouth. Money is dirty. 
And I Dirty. just did that too. <laughs> I was going to say, one of my kids was holding a penny, reading it. I was like, ew, wash your hands after you touch that. It's super dirty. Yes. So that's a really interesting first interaction with money, right? And and so I didn't really think about that until I did it to my kid too. And then I was like, oh, shit. What are we going to do about this? So what I do, and you can still say it, but like what I aim for is a neutrality around money that I didn't have because I think so many of us have heightened emotions around money. And so I, yeah, I'm just, I'm just searching for neutrality. So I'll go, Hey, we don't put money in our mouths. We take care of money in our family. And so it's just a, just a different energy to it because of course I don't want them to put money in their mouth, but like everything's dirty. You know, if you think about it, everything's dirty. Like I was at a playground and my kid came out with a chicken nugget and I'm like, I didn't give you that chicken nugget. <laughs> and especially so I was going to say during COVID, I feel like every single child is now a hypochondriac because we're like, don't touch that. It might have coronavirus. Wash exactly. your hands. Exactly. So if you have um, like a piggy bank or something like that, you can say, oh, you know, like if you find a penny, it's like, oh my God, a penny. This is so cool. Let's go home and wash it and take care of it and put it in a special place. And it just has a different energy than just making them feel like, oh my God, if I you know, just that jolt you got from a kid from bit, like going to put it in your mouth. We don't want them to have that scary feeling that lives in their body from, from money. So that's the first thing I do is just aim for that neutrality. And then every family had their own thing, right? Like an unofficial motto about money. And so it's really like, you have to do a bit of dis- discovery work for yourself to say, oh my God, that's like my parents used to say that about money and to either like neutralize it or change it. And one of those things is like how they talked about either rich people or poor people, depending on where you were in the spectrum, right? So if it was like, oh, you know, they only got their money because they ripped people off or, you know, oh, those those people, you know, they're poor because they're bad or something like that. Just see how like every family has their way of correlating money and morality. And we want to get away from that. Like money is a neutral tool. It doesn't make you good. doesn't make you better than anyone else. But not having it doesn't make you bad or worse than anyone else. And vice versa, having money doesn't automatically make you a bad, rich, horrible person. And being poor and noble doesn't make you a saint either. So see how we've got these all mixed up feelings. And sometimes as families, we hold all of those (laughs) at the same time. And so just really watch how you talk about other people and money. There's another thing too. So many of us, especially like our generation, we grew up hearing you had to work really hard to make money. You had to have a business that was really hard because that's how you had to have, like if you had a business, your garage was probably full of crap. You know, like you had to work so many hours now, really. Especially being in America, it's like your hustle, 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 work hard, you know, and even immigrant parents or whatnot. My mom is first generation, but it's like always get a good education and work hard. Yeah. So that word hard is really tricky, right? Because of course we don't want our kids to feel like they can get anything just without merit, but we were brought up in a very analog culture. They are growing up in a digital culture where hard work isn't necessarily aligned with success. You can have a business where you never even touch the product now ever. Um, and you can be very smart about the way you do business. You can write an ebook that can be sold to people all around the world. They are seeing that as a possibility. They are seeing kids who make money from unboxing toys, right? They are they grow up in a very different world to us. 
So what words can we use to still instill in them a work ethic, but without telling them that you have to work really, really hard? So we were doing this yesterday where we were kind of saying to them, hey, you know, you guys could do anything that you want if you have a dream and you work for it. And so I've just taken the hard word out because I'm like, they see us work. We go to work. Work is not a dirty word, but I don't want them to sit, to have the hard part in there. So I want it to be almost about persistence and diligence rather than like horrible. Does that make sense? Yes. Well, and also sometimes doing something and becoming successful in it may come easy to you. It's not that it, yeah. like, I get that, that hard is a weird word to use. So I like how you said work for it or work towards it or, you know, something to like strive for versus just hit the ground and just pound it out until you make it happen. Because for some, it might not actually be hard. So I like that. Although it's hard to tell kids work hard is so ingrained, at least in my head to say like, oh, even you colored that great. You must've worked really hard. And now I'm going to catch myself saying well, that. Yeah, because it might've been really fun. Like, and it could be that we say that as like, oh my God, that looks amazing. It looked like you had a ton of fun doing it. And that also means that we have to role model that too, that it's okay for us to have ease around our business, that we don't say things like, oh, I'm so sorry, mommy has to go on a work trip. I have to work really hard. It's like, oh my God, I'm so excited to go on this fun work trip. And I can't wait to tell you all about it when I get home because I love my work. It's just such a different energy than perpetuating this thing that work is this drudgery, you know, because we know like you don't have a business without having like putting effort into it but like I don't feel like my work is horrible that it's something like you know that like my mom used to have to go to work and you know when she worked at the nursing home that was hard work mine is fun work right childbirth is hard <laughs> well I was gonna say on that now I wanted to wrap it up with a couple questions what is your mom's superpower that makes you a better business person so what is something you gained when you became a mom that makes you a better entrepreneur especially since you had your business before you had kids oh wow okay so I was always passionate about women's independence you know financial independence always passionate about that um, because my mom was a single mom and I saw her like trapped in marriages or situations because she didn't have the money. Having kids gave me a, a totally deeper understanding of that because it's not, uh, I, I want to use my words carefully here, but because it's like people choose to not have kids and they have a great life, right? And they have empathy and all that kind of stuff. But when I had, like I was holding a baby for the first week, I was like, women do this around the world with zero resources zero support, zero infrastructure. And it, it gave me a, like a, a wider sense of how unfair the world is. And that gave me a greater passion for helping women because I know women with more money totally change the world. Um, it's been proven, you know, in so many micro economies where women's contributions just, you know, completely change the GDP of a country. And so I just was like, I don't think anybody should be hungry. Like, I don't think any child should be born in poverty. We have all these solutions. We just don't have the money distributed in the right place. You know, and women and, and, and like other people who, who have experienced oppression or disadvantage get that. And so 
it just gave me a like a massive fire in my belly to help more people make more money. That's beautiful. And then last question is, what do you think is your number one survival tip for working moms or mom entrepreneurs right now, especially a lot of women in America right now are suffering from having to homeschool their children or distance learn. They had to take a step back because childcare situations, this whole pandemic brought on a different light of things. What is your number one tip to moms out there? Unsubscribe from guilt because it's such a wasted emotion. Nobody cares. You know, if we take on all the guilt, nobody is grateful (laughs) for taking on that guilt. Um, So it's just such a wasted emotion and it's one that we can choose to put aside. And so just opt out, literally like you're clicking a button, opt out, I unsubscribe. What will happen though is that you'll get a bit of pushback because people aren't used to women not feeling guilty for stuff. And when you don't feel guilty, you'll change different things in your business. You'll probably ask for more help. You'll receive more help. Um, you might not apologize as much as you used to. And that will be a bit weird for people in your in your life to deal with at, at the start. But you'll you'll gain a little bit more energy to then put into the things that you love. It's just like having an old program running in the background and you won't eliminate it completely of course but just let let go of it perfect and where can we find you online or give us all your details i'm so easy to find online so my website is denisedt.com um there's a ton of resources there about how to increase your prices and to feel good about your money and then i'm on social media at denisedt as well so that's you know insta twitter uh, Facebook. Oh, I almost forgot Facebook. Uh, Twitter, I tend to just rant and rave about political stuff. So Instagram is a really great place to connect. Um, and I love hearing from people. Send me a DM and let me know um, what you got out of whatever this discussion. And like, if there's any aha or a light bulb moment where you're going to change something in your life, I would love to hear from you. So Denise DT everywhere. Perfect. Thank you so much for joining us in Australia. Thank you, Stephanie. I so appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Mommy's on a Call. Your support means the absolute world to me. You can find the show notes for this episode and other goodies over at mommiesonacall.com. And if you enjoyed this episode or have gotten value from the podcast, I would be so grateful if you could head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and review so that we can reach and empower more moms all over the world together. Thank you so much again, Mommy Pod, and I will see you here next time.